grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this day is 1 Peter chapter 1. Here again the part that reads, If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. You may be seated. It really doesn't matter what your political views are, but how many of you are feeling uncomfortable with the direction of our country? I, do you really believe that, or do you believe that? Let's try that again. Uh-huh. You see, as Christians, you should feel uncomfortable. Because as we are baptized children of Christ, we are exiles, aliens, outsiders. We don't feel comfortable in our present world because we don't belong here. Therefore, we have to remember that this is not our home. That's the way Peter is addressing the God's people at his time when he writes, throughout the time of your exile. For Peter started his letter, if you'd go back to the beginning of the first chapter, to those who are elect <laughs> exiles. Oh, God chose you to be exiles here. Chose them. To those elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, you could go ahead and say, hey, they, there was persecution in Jerusalem, and so they were exiled from Jerusalem. Or you could go ahead and think about that all the things that had happened in Rome, as we heard last Sunday, that old Rome was basically burnt to a crisp, and the Christians were blamed for it, and therefore they were exiled from Rome. But that is not what Peter is addressing. He is saying that Christians, no matter where you're at in this world, you will be uncomfortable. You don't belong here. You see, they're always treated as outsiders. The Gentiles, majority of them were pagans, right? And the Christians weren't pagans. They didn't fit among the Jews because they believed in Jesus Christ the crucified. So Peter is now calling on these Christians to examine themselves and to act according to what he says if you call on God as Father. Well, the assumption is if you have God as your Father, you'll call on him as Father, right? That's exactly what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven. And that prayer is exclusively for Christians because if somebody is not a Christian and, not, and calling him Father, they either don't understand who the Father is they're being a hypocrite, aren't they? If you call God your Father, then your lives, yes, your lives are to be conducted in this way. You're yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, again, it would be easy for us to think about fear in terms of this world, right? Because there's a lot of things in this world to be afraid of. But that's not where Peter takes you. He references 
and roots it in the Father who judges rightly, who judges according to your deeds. Now that's understandable because from time to time as we were children, at least some of us would hear, wait till your father gets home. That usually didn't mean a good thing, did it? We lived in fear of what kind of punishment might be waiting us. But again, if you look at the text, that's not where Peter takes you. Peter takes his readers, after mentioning the Father who judges, he roots it in knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways with the precious blood of Jesus. The fear that Peter is talking about is not only rooted in the Father's judgment, but also rooted in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going, what kind of fear is that? Well, if you remember back to Divine Service 4, we have the response of the congregation, right, that says, Psalm 130, verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Think about that. But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And you know what? This little mind of mine just didn't get it. How can you go ahead and combine forgiveness in fear in one sentence? It is here that it is important for us to distinguish between the law and the gospel. The law. God is judge. And I have to answer for him whatever I do, whether good or bad, and when I've done evil, I would like to run away from him. And the farther the way, the better, just like my human father. But if I run away, where is the provision? Where is the love? Where is the mercy and the forgiveness from this heavenly father? The gospel. The father is the only one who can really grant me that mercy, that forgiveness, he is, and he does it, we know for sure, by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? A father has to act in the law and the gospel. Jesus, his son, is my brother. He is the one that assures me of forgiveness. The law, if I run away from God, I also run away from Jesus, the only one who can assure me of the forgiveness. Of course, we all understand this from a human perspective, from human parents. We don't like their discipline when things go wrong, but no matter how imperfect they are, they are the ones who will provide, right? Or should provide, and at times have mercy and forgive us, however imperfect that might be. Where else do you go? But we have a Heavenly Father that's greater than any of our human pa parents who disciplines us for our good so that we would bear the fruits of righteousness but also encompasses us with His love and His care and His abundant mercy. So Peter takes his readers to what living out the gospel in fear looks like. Now, if you look at our translation, I don't find it very helpful because it says, making purification of our souls as if it's dependent on the obedience to the truth. 
it's our translators that haven't given us the whole truth. Disobedience is not in terms of submission like a trained dog where you go ahead and say, fetch! That's not very loving, is it? But here, the word is, has this understanding under the hearing of. It's under the guidance of, under the love of. All the word of God, that totality of God's word, both the law and the gospel. And when parents compliment us, listening to them, and we've willingly heard and we follow through with what we ask or what they have asked, then things go well, don't they? Even as you listen to the fourth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother, and then if you would read the rest of the verse there, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. I should probably say something here about a little bit about the hymn. It's incomplete, heaven is my home. Yes, after we die, our souls go to heaven to be with the Lord, right? But that's not the rest of the story. See, if you take the fourth commandment, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth, that really is the goal. Because we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth. A resurrected body in all its glory, like our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter is encouraging his readers with the gospel with words like love from a pure heart. And some days, you know, our heart's not all that pure, are they? <laughs> when someone does wrong and they say, I'm sorry, okay, I forgive you. Yeah, that's real comforting, isn't it? I forgive you and hold you in my arms. I love you. I care for you. Maybe we need to even look at our repentance a little bit. You know, when we're sorry, okay, I'm sorry. Well, who wants to forgive that kind of attitude? What about, I'm really sorry I offended you. Will you please forgive me? You invite the other person into forgiving you. Our Lord, that's what he does with us. You take seriously what happened this morning when you confessed your sins. God didn't say, okay, that's fine. We're out of here. No! By the grace of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven with a pure heart now, a forgiven heart. And he continues on. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the abiding Word of God. It's the Word of God that continues on. It's forever. You cannot break it. It is eternal. More than the pews that you're sitting on. More than the money in your bank. More than the money or more than the home that you live in. The fear Peter is talking about is this after the forgiveness of sins. And such fear is in love and trust and in reverence. If you know that only Jesus is there for that there is only forgiveness in Jesus, and only in Jesus is there no condemnation for the Father, 
Jesus is your only salvation. And so you and I trust Jesus, what he has done. And we want to do nothing that would be contrary to it and to injure it because we want to live banking on that forgiveness, on that new life that God has given to us in that word that lasts forever. And that's why Peter is going ahead and encouraging the uncomfortable Christians to live. I asked if you were feeling uncomfortable with our country, and many of you answered yes. And we will be, even though our world is indeed different than at the time of Peter. All this stuff, though, at the time of Peter, is temporary. At our time, is temporary. However, God's word is the same. Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins, for your salvation. And that when he returns, not only will we have new bodies, but we will live in the new heaven and the new earth. Last Sunday, again, I entitled the sermon, Living Tomorrow Today. You want heaven? You want your troubles and your suffering and trials to end? You want a new body? Then live this way, the way God's Word says. Because God's Word trumps it all. Because it's going to last longer than anything in this world. And a part of that word is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that gospel trumps any condemnation of the world, even God's condemnation of sinners. Hallelujah! Christ is risen! Christ is risen! Hallelujah! Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.